0: awa Bhagavatu i'd a had tour somewhere somewu and Aparuta desangatawara yesuda wanta bamujantu satan. So this is the new moon of December, 1999, how many shopping days left, <laughs> not a concern with us, is it? <laughs> and then the next Sunday is the Papa Tav, or the uh, three candidates for going forth to, uh, to become uh Thiladaris. That's something very good to, Something very inspiring to see uh, people doing that. It's uh, like going forth is a Bapachar translated as going forth and it's it implies this going into the unknown, well, out of this image of you know just don't look back. I remember that biblical story of Lot's wife uh, when Sodom and Gomorrah were burning, and she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. What's <laughs> significant? pillar of salt. <laughs> but in the holy life, you see that that, there's a symbolic symbol, like this going forth is, if you keep looking back at the world and things like that, then you 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 just can't, uh, you don't get anywhere. It's uh, like Sodom and Gomorrah were symbols of that kind of, of life where, you know, comfort, luxury, um, status, all the, the best things, the uh, pleasures of the senses and all that. And yet, the part of it is, is kind of destruction, the, 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 the longing for it again, the wanting to, to have that. So going forth also implies going into the unknown. The destination isn't known. It's an act of faith so uh, this is uh, these words uh, have you know you can give them significance it's by contemplating them because uh, in the holy life you're you're going to what you don't know and you want if people want guarantees if i if i commit myself to being a monk or a nun will i get rewarded for that or uh, you know that's that's trying to make a deal if you you know you can guarantee you get if you do so many years you'll get so many so much merit or you'll you guarantee of of reaching the nibbana but it's uh, the the uh, holy life depends on on not knowing rather than knowing or having Guarantees. Then we get into mystery because uh, we, you know, the religion oftentimes points to what's mysterious, what's a mystery, and a mystery is is nothing you can get hold of. You can't. It's it's the unknown. And when you look at your life, you know it is a mystery. Uh, even though we can surround ourselves with the securities of the known uh, have have everything, you know, that we feel safe and comfortable with and makes us feel all right and secure uh, and put all our attention into that, you know, so that, you know, what our consciousness is, is continu- continually dominated by what we're used to. And that's one way of avoiding it. But I suppose at the end of one's life, you, you know, especially if you've never bothered to to contemplate the mystery, then uh, it must be quite a shock. You know, going to death must be a, the, the ultimate mystery, and so uh, people, many people, just are not prepared for that. And so they resist. They're frightened. They they uh, they get terrified because. They, they want, they want everything, they want all the things they have, like people dying oftentimes can want, you know, their, their husband or wife, their the things, their, their money, their, they are very <laughs> kind of obsessed with having, you know, holding on to, to what they've valued and what they've known and not prepared to relinquish and just trust and go into the mystery. So, Bapachara alka can be seen as kind of a death experience. The the not knowing, not being aware, not being not being sure, uh, the the don't know mind, the uncertain. These were, these are concepts that uh, make us feel very uh, ill at ease. That well, we want we want uh, to you know we want uh, to make sure that that everything is going to be all right. So much so much of daily life is just a kind of uh, affirmation of everything's all right, rather than seeing each moment for what it is. Contentment, for example, the, in the holy life, the, this attitude of contentment is, is, is the kind of essence of the holy life, to be content with this moment as it is and the way it is without any kind of conditions, uh, you know, demands made on it. Now that, that's quite a, a demand. That's a demand in itself, isn't it? Contentment. So the in the summer life, the contentment with the four requisites, with the with the um, with the way things are, with the way you are, it means that you're not necessarily uh, having you know waiting till everything is is uh, what what you look, want or like or think you, the the way it should be, but being content in this moment. learning to 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 have this this gratitude we uh, for the the food that we receive today or the shelter for the night this this kind of thing helps to to uh, develop this sense of contentment where when we're not content then we're always thinking we need something that we don't have yeah and so that, that's an endless uh, trap you know there's always you can always think of something you'd like or something you think you need and as long as the mind goes out into that then it uh, you're going to need there's so many things we think we need anyway that it's endless there's no contentment in that and the desire the desire mind is very much based on that always you know trying to improve things make things better going to get more or get rid of or kind of control, manipulate the world around oneself uh, to, to try to always strive for progress, for improvement, for success. So sometimes a, a holy person is almost like it seems like a fool to uh, to a clever person in the world because it sounds like we're becoming rather foolish and irresponsible and uh, impractical and unreasonable and uh, stupid. <laughs> Because it doesn't look like it looks like we're uh, we're not you know don't have even common sense. So because the, the holy fool is often called in, in religious traditions, isn't it in every tradition there's, there's a holy fool, which is a character that, that uh, is contrasted, say, to the the ambitious uh, minds of of the worldly life. Or even in the holy life, you can become, you know, in religious communities or religious organizations, you become ambitious, become a, you know, a, a person of high rank, become a, uh, you know, a, an authority, uh, a scholar, uh, um, a teacher, um, become a, an abbot, become get a get a title, have some, become uh, something that. Uh, in worldly terms, it makes you feel like you're really uh, successful in getting somewhere. We can see in any, any religion the, the kind of political struggles that go on to, for titles, for rank, for rewards, and all that in, uh, under the name of, of religion. So in the life of the samana, then is you know we, uh, I'm sure most of us are not really interested in that. I mean, none of we are in my world. I've I've never been too ambitious for worldly things. Anyway, it's never been a kind of foremost interest in my life to to attain something in the world. But it can, uh, those, those elements can affect one's uh, life within the um, monastic style. So you can see, you know, just the uh, tendencies towards, um, you know, wanting success, wanting to be respected, wanting to be acknowledged, uh, uh, gain approval, have a following, have an entourage, uh get praise uh accumulate wealth um have a rolls royce have a <laughs> have all the the best and because these things can come to to us, and it's, people want to shower us with all kinds of of uh marvelous uh, inventions material uh things so uh, it's the, the, uh, the kind of uh, irony of becoming an almsmanican is I found everything I've ever wanted I've been given. And when I wanted it, I couldn't get it. <laughs> uh, so I would say, be careful what you want because you'll eventually get it anyway, probably when you don't want it anymore. <laughs> So in the, the summer our life, in this sense of here and now, contentment, a very simple practice of, of learning to relax, to trust in the, in the present. To just give yourself totally to this moment. And, and uh, I've found things like uh, contemplating, don't have to become anything, don't have to prove anything, not going anywhere don't have to do anything because the tendency my conditioned mind very much uh, programmed for the other you know think I've got to do something got to earn my keep I've got to get something I don't have uh, got to develop got to get my samadhi got to have my insights and uh, though even in the, even in the um, Life of the samana, one can still be kind of pushed—the pushiness of one's conditioned mind—to always even make meditation into some kind of challenging experience, where you've got to get rid of your defilements and and become enlightened. But then the. Uh, Mindfulness has been the, the kind of the, the emphasis the Buddha made on practice to, to be aware of this, to see the, the results of this, of this uh, ambition or desire to get or get rid of, become something. Even desire to become enlightened is desire. Desire to get rid of defilement is desire. Very good desires, too. Not that desire necessarily is bad, but it's uh, it's still desire, and if it's not recognized and understood, not known for what it is, then we tend to, uh, it tends to, uh, we tend to get attached to those kind of things and, and then uh, are always striving, trying to become. So in the present moment, we're, we're not with the moment because we're always busy trying to do something, get something, get rid of something. So the the challenge of of the holy life is is learning to 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 relax in the present, to uh, fully be present, to totally present. Uh, accepting whatever is present the way it is, whether it's physical pain or, or uh, discomfort or uh, bad thoughts or good thoughts or, or um, uh, confusion, mental confusion, emotional uh, confusion or peacefulness or tranquility. Uh, the, the these are even tranquility is not the goal or peacefulness but this understanding, this willing to totally accept the way it is in the present. So the vehicle, as you see this char going forth as Siladar, is a vehicle. Siladar is only is only a, a vehicle. It's like getting into a certain kind of Coach or boat or something like that uh, that's uh, that's aimed at at uh, you know that's going on the middle way and uh, so you you uh, you have this vehicle to to kind of help you to hold you from just getting lost and being caught up into all the temptations and and attractions and repulsive things and so forth, that one has to uh, experience through the body and mind condition. So it's uh, learning to uh, just stay in the vehicle, no matter what what all the kind of impingements, both external or internal, are, are going on. Now one of one of the monks that disrobed several years ago. Just before he disrobed, he published an article about don't get off the train. <laughs> I think it was a, a talk somewhat like this one. A few months later he disrobed, but. but it is uh this is the, the reflection only. Mm-hmm how to how to look at this convention. It's uh you know, how to uh, you can look at a convention in all different kinds of ways too. It's not, not that this is the only way. But this is this is the this is the way that, that I f- I found of value. Uh to to see it as, as like a train or a transport some kind of vehicle you get you you're getting into so it is limiting. Once you're in a vehicle, you're bound in that, into that, into the limits of that vehicle. Uh, and sometimes you, you know, you don't. You see something off to the right. It's much more uh, tantalizing than than the vehicle itself. So, uh, you know, there is a you can feel pulled, wanting to get out, get off the train and go off to the right because what's over there looks much better than any than the vehicle or what's happening. Maybe. The, You know, going along this straight track can be rather boring when you're looking at something that looks much more exciting. But because uh, you've determined to stay in the vehicle, then you you more or less uh, it helps you to not not wander off to the right or the left and keep going in the straight line. Now, taking that uh, as a kind of um, metaphor, you know, a symbol for the holy life, and then applying that to to the mind itself. So I I generally t- encourage this uh, use of the sound of silence as a, as like it's like a, a straight line, it's like a train track. No, Though it's, it's it's not particularly interesting in itself. It's not like anything you can really, you uh, know, certainly not exciting or entertaining. But it, but if you if you use it as a as a kind of reference point to to return to when your mind wanders off thinking of, oh isn't that fascinating or or get kind of caught into all the, the worldly problems. Around you, the endless political strife, or the or the uh, human rights problems, or economic difficulties, social problems uh, ar- around all the important things of a society, that can be be quite demanding on our attention, and and we can easily be pulled into, say, all these uh, kind of activities which are uh, You know quite good activities in themselves trying to help the poor and 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 uplift the society not to despise or think these things are something to uh, look down on Mm. but there's no end to it if we endlessly try to 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 solve all clean up the world uh, by trying to uh, solve every problem every political problem every human problem every social, economic problem we just uh, you know we end up feeling quite kind of stressed and embittered because it doesn't you know we we can manage to maybe improve in in some things and the efforts if, if we have the right attitude then these these then our then our attention towards the the strife and problems of the world uh, is much more effective than if we're just being distracted by it and caught up in our own desires, our own views, our own perceptions of it. So the, the sound of silence acts like a, like a, like a straight line and uh, a tr- like a railroad track and you keep to that and then you, you can see the the various uh, pleasant, unpleasant, uh, beautiful, ugly, uh, and neutral experiences of uh, that will, will come to you, will be, reach you through consciousness. But your observance of them then is, is more uh, looking at them in terms of dhamma, of the fleetingness, of the impermanence, of the... Uh, ephemeral uh, nature of conditioned phenomena. Learning to rest in that point of stillness and silence, to trust in it. Because uh, the emotions aren't, aren't, are, never, are not content with that. And emotionally we want, it's, it's boring for uh, us emotionally. Mm, our emotional habits are usually uh, conditioned uh, uh, through uh, wanting interesting activities, or be excited, or stimulation of some sort. Though, so in uh, terms of em- emotion, emotional reactions to the silence is often times quite can be quite uh, negative, or it doesn't seem like anything worthwhile. It doesn't happen. Isn't doesn't seem important. This seems uh, like nothing much at all to pay attention to. But as a reference point, you know, if you don't have any reference, but merely uh, your own ideas and thoughts and interpretations of Buddhism and, and uh, your, the, the power of your own habits, then it's easy to just get uh, even more confused and lost. Then on the the uh, convention itself, like Theladara Convention, is is uh, in, in regards to action and speech. So you're giving up a kind of your 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 rights as a personality to express yourself, to be who you really are, to wear what you really like, to 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 just do what you feel like doing, to follow your impulses. Uh, and to, um, you know, be free as a personality, because the the uh, the, the samanat life is is uh, externally one of conformity, learning to restrain oneself within the limits of the vinaya discipline, the moral uh, uh, moral precepts and training precepts. So these precepts are. They're, remember, they're precepts. They're they're to help us. They're for reference. They're, they're they refer to them. They're not like orders from above. They're not laws that you that you have to keep, or you'll be punished. Things like this. They're they're guidelines. They're criteria, standards, to. That we use to do, to, for mindfulness helps us to be aware of, uh, say, our relationships with each other, of our re- relationship to the material world, to the society, to the to the planet that we live on. So the they're based on. Harmlessness, non-violence, on honesty, on, on, uh, you know, not, uh, on fewness of needs, being content, um, being responsible for what, how we live, uh, how what what we do with our bodies, how we act, how we use our bodies or, and speech. So they're. they're guidelines for that. And in a time now where there are not really many guidelines, are there? It's, it's, uh, uh, there's so many social problems, at least uh, you, you you hear it so much and read about so much, of the endless uh, social problems that exist in a society that is uh, free, and, you know, as, as free as you can Wish for I think. The other you know, thing in my life, I've been given enormous freedom uh, to do what I want to do, to, to go where I want to go. Uh, there isn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't a lot of pressure on me to just, you know, to, to do, to follow anything in particular. I chose a monastic life. It wasn't, my parents didn't encourage me to come into this life. In fact, I think they would have discouraged me, Um, but the the, uh, recognizing that that just following my impulse has led me into a lot of trouble. Just impulsive behavior, doing what I felt like, doing what I wanted, uh, I ended up in a, in a t- state of total mental confusion. That was my experiment with uh, hedonism. Was uh, ending up uh, almost uh, suicidal, just hating myself and uh, totally confused by the endless options and and just uh, seeking, uh, just following the impulses that that oftentimes weren't. Uh, very wholesome or skillful. It's uh, the the moment, what it what you felt like doing and saying. So then, in in uh, coming into monastic life, it was uh, the problem was still there. But then I had uh, training rules that said you can't do that, you can't say that. And so then, because of that, then I'd. I learned to stop myself. I had to begin to, to I'd have I'd have ways of, of, uh, of you know, learning to uh, just live a more simple life, more trusting life, uh, in the company of people who were doing the same thing, who were uh, in the same vehicle, really. So I wasn't just left on, you know, alone by myself, but I had I had uh, the people around me were were very much uh, and we all you know gave up our individuality, shaved our heads, wore the same kind of robes and and followed the same training rules so there even though on on the personal level we were all very different characters uh, personalities and I was for the first few years only with time, so I was the only Western monk it was like a kind of uh, the odd odd one in the in the group, you know, stood out, uh, didn't fit into the into the visual perception of of uh, what monks look like. If you're a Tha- if you're living in Thailand, the, the rows. You see, I saw a picture of me you when know, they took a Wat Ba poem. This row of of Thai monks sitting in a long row. And I was very junior at the time, this long row, and so it goes like this, and then suddenly this. (laughs) (laughs) This big white thing kind of juts forth. But in another way it was, did not it? It was conforming to the same, uh, we were using the same convention. So, so it wasn't important whether, you know, how tall I was or what nationality or uh, color skin or that, it's not important. But it, it's the, the, uh, the common, common uh, aspiration that we all share. And found that very supportive, to be with, with other men who, were, who had the same aspiration. So that that uh, is very supportive towards uh, the Holy Law. And then you can become, you can become just a, a conforming monk or nun, if you want. Just, you know, trying to be, to get the prey. There, you know, people would say, oh, uh, Sumaito is really a good monk. I'd like that. You know, it really f- made me feel good to be considered something really good. and. To be admired, so so there's a tremendous effort to conform because the more I conformed and and uh, renounced and practiced, then I'd get that much more praise. Mm. So on that level also, it can. You but you you know you can just use the convention as a as a as a just blind conformity, but that's not really going forth. It's not to to just. Uh, Join a club and, and become a member of, a, of an organization uh, and fit into it, but to use the the um, convention for awareness, so you begin to see the results of, uh, of even your attempts to to conform or to be considered a, a good monk or a good nun or or to, the, the, if you know, if you're really reflecting, you begin to see the suffering of, uh, the ego creates through attachment to the convention. So then, you don't have to get rid of the convention, but just learn to just see the, uh, after contemplating the suffering that comes from attachment to it, you let go. I mean, you start relaxing. You don't, you start feeling at ease within the convention. Where at first, I didn't feel at ease in the convention. It was all like climbing uphill, hard work. It was going against everything I was used to. It was, it was uh, having to, to um, limit myself, having to live within restrained uh, behavior and and at first it just seemed so uh, kind of suffocating I remember feeling like i'm being suffocated by this life it's suffocating me and and i used to get averse to it i remember seeing having periods where i just hate it and uh, see everybody around me as a kind of uh, it with a very negative critical eyes. Because it, it wasn't, because it, it, there were part of me that, 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 that didn't want to, to conform, didn't want to have to, to live with these people or, or conform to this, uh, give up to this particular uh, way of living. But the awareness allows us to see that, and to see our own kind of rebelliousness, the conceit, stubbornness, uh, reactivity. Because it is a moral convention, so it,
1: its purpose
0: is is to help us toward doing good and refraining from doing evil, to 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 be able to get some perspective on uh, on desire. Because. Uh, desire is, it's just, uh, if you don't understand, if you don't recognize desire, then it, we just uh, get completely mesmerized by it. We get lost in it. And we're used to desire but we don't know desire. The desire realm is what we're used to and what we most easily kind of sink into because it is what we're used to. It's our habits are, are formed through that. So uh, it, it's uh, to get perspective on desire means to, we have to, s- to start recognizing desire, contemplating it, not just trying to get, not getting rid of it, and, and trying to kill off desire, but ref- getting to know what is desire? What does it feel like? Desire to become something, Desire to get rid of something you don't like. Sensual desire, desire for sense pleasures, for exciting sense experiences. These are all part of our life. That's not trying to, to get rid of these. That's the desire to get rid of desire, which is not the way. So in order to, to understand desire, uh, we, we, uh, we contemplate it. We, we reflect on it. Get to know it. Understand it. Know what it feels like. That kind of feeling of uh, something I've got to do yet. Uh, or just the, the aversion, wanting to get rid of something I don't like. so then that desire we begin to through through being aware of desire as desire then you you uh, you can see desire as an object as a mental object because you're you're not desire if you if you' just a if all you are is a bundle of desire, then one desire can't see another so you couldn't possibly get out of it or. Get any perspective on it. So, the way that we do have perspective is through awareness of desire. So, second noble truth is this: this uh, reflection, contemplating, gamadana, Pavadana, vipowadana, desire for sense pleasure, desire for becoming, desire for getting rid of. So this awareness of desire is transcending the desire. So there is, it uh, allows us, it's the way out of the trap, is to awaken in the present. So in the holding life you still have all the desires that anyone else has. So it doesn't mean <laughs> that you... Uh, because this is a desire realm, this realm that we live in, this... These bodies are desire bodies. The senses, isn't it? The Eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body itself are all about desire. And you see something you you like, you want it. You desire it. See something you don't like, you want to get rid of it. This is, this realm is, is like this. This is desire realm. The physical body is, is a sexual body. The, the, it has sexual desire as part of its nature, That is it's just the way it is. It, uh, and there's nothing, there's no, uh, no kind of uh, looking down on it and saying it shouldn't be like that, because that's the way it is, this realm that, we, that we're experiencing through this, through this physical body is, is a desire realm. But we can contemplate, we can reflect on these desires. So this is the Buddha encouraged to become an expert on desire, rather than somebody that doesn't have any more desires. And then that's another ego, you know, I want to become somebody who doesn't have any desires. It's, it's the same problem, you're never going to get out of it that way. By trying to not have any desires, but through understanding, recognizing, and then through that, then you you have the insight. Letting go of desire. Letting go isn't isn't suppression. Isn't annihilation. It's, to let go means that you can actually uh, see desire for what it is. So this, in this awakened state, awakened awareness that the Buddha encouraged, it's, uh, it gives us this uh, this chance. It's uh, for the gate to the deathless. The uh, uh, this aparuta uh, desanga matassa the gate to the deathless are open. So in my reflection, that's the gate. There's just that simple act of attention in the present, an kind of internal, imminent act in the present, just a, an attention right now. you just open yourself to this present moment. Embrace the moment. And all that this moment has, the now, and, and it's Pleasurable, unpleasurable, and neutral aspects, qualities. And then to, to encourage this sense of, I'll say, to, to relax, to, to let go, to release yourself with, with faith in this present moment. Like uh, encouragement. Those who can hear, those who can pay attention like this, those who are awake at this moment, let go into this present moment. Relax into it so that it's an act of relaxed attention rather than striving to, to, uh, to get something or get rid of something. So if you're full of desire, this, uh, just the ability to pay attention to desire, relax into the moment, so that the desires then are, are you're embracing them rather than just resisting or struggling with them. And in that perspective, then you, you, uh, you can let go of desire. So it's all in, in here, really. Like Lung Pu Kao told me years ago. Uh, when, I, when I couldn't understand Thai very well, I went to this old monk, uh, a really wonderful old monk up in uh, Udon, And he, he called me aside and he said, it's all here, it's all. <laughs> he said, truth is here. And he, put there, he kind of points to his heart. Uh, and I, at that time that's about all the time I could really manage <laughs> uh, but it was a profound uh, teaching for me because it, it, it's as simple as that it's not, not like uh, incredibly complicated uh, abstract abstruse uh, high mindedness that the Buddha was teaching but it's awakeness here you know to the hearts the open heart Open heart surgery, <laughs> not a heart bypass. <laughs> like when you when you look at your heart, in it, it, it's not. It's not like like. It, if you're a very rational person, you, it, uh, it sounds nice. It sounds poetic, but, and even romantic. But that's to do that. <laughs> it takes a, a kind of a relaxed attention where you're, you're, you're with the heart in the present, and you're not making any demands on it or, or uh, criticizing it in any way. You're, you're willing to let it, to let whatever is in your heart be present uh, without uh, judging it, criticizing it. No, in terms of, you know, like the rational mind, which we're, most of us are, we're highly conditioned, educated for for that. And then we tend to criticize things a lot. So we, we, we're, we it's so easy to pass a judgment or to, to uh, see, you know, to dwell on what's wrong and what we don't like. and, And, uh, and things that aren't very good, to just, you know, to be really be, be obsessed with, with them. To think it got to, it shouldn't be like that. And so there's always this judging, this faculty that, that is always judging things and making comments. So, but the, the heart practice is, isn't, isn't a judgmental one, because it's willing to. Embrace the devils, the angels, the, all together at one moment, not preferring one over the other. And so this awareness allows us to, to do this, allows us to, to realize this. This is within our potential as human beings, our humanity, the great gift of our humanity is this, this reflective mind the ability to, to, to open to life and to learn from it. So in, in the strange uh, ways of monasticism, as you go forth into the unknown, uh, and with all the kind of restraints and precepts and that that you're taking on, uh, and it can sound rather daunting in, uh, to the worldly mind uh, to have to live within such prescriptions, mm-hmm. but uh, it, uh, it, does, it does simplify. You know, monasticism is sim- simplification of everything. You know, on one level it looks complicated. you, know, you look at all those Vinaya rules and, you know, mind boggles, they're, they're so complicated. But actually, they're they're quite simple. They're all very practical things. And, and uh, once you like learning to drive a car, once you actually get in and practice with it, you don't have to think about it. You just do it. Mm-hmm. You like being a, a monk or a nun is not. And once you really learn how learn how to drive the vehicle, and it it's like you don't have to keep thinking about all the rules and the precepts and things like that, because that's more like they, they're quite uh, you know, like learning the, the majors, the, the kind of preliminaries that become just a part of you. At first, like anything, it seems clumsy, like learning to drive a car, for say. Remember, I, I, the first time I ever drove, I turned the car over. <laughs> <laughs> was not auspicious <laughs> the second time I was driving uh, with my father and, and I saw a friend and I waved to him and nearly ran into another car <laughs> and so forth it's like learning a language isn't it a like foreign language it seems so impossible at first can't say even you know an adult person, and you can't even you know you talk like a baby. Uh, you, know, you, th- you know you want to have an intelligent conversation. All you can do is make these kind of grunts and things, hoping that it comes out right, and uh, it seems impossible. But then, as you keep keep practicing, that, that it becomes natural. So you just start thinking, saying things without any. Any struggle. So it is, the conventions are like that. and monasticism is a, is is a, is just like that. It's not once once it's learned, then it's uh, it's very simple. It simplifies everything because you, you know, you're kind of clearing out. You know, you're not your life isn't a, isn't just endlessly like with. With all the accumulations of worldly life and all the the stuff that that one gets bound up into in the world, you're actually kind of renouncing, not because there's anything wrong with it. We're not, we're not condemning the world, but because're uh, we're, we're emphasizing what is useful and helpful for a spiritual path. And uh, and making that the kind of the whole emphasis rather than than all the worldly uh, needs and cares and and uh, problems that that we would have if we didn't have the most of it, if we didn't have a convention we wouldn't probably wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't. I needed to, I needed to to get into something that, that I had didn't, that I had to re- surrender to, learn how to give myself up to something that wasn't my creation or my idea. A lot of things I, I didn't even agree with. In Thailand, you know, some of the rules and the way they did things I didn't even like, didn't, didn't even agree with. But I learned to, I, on. reflection, I realized, why not? You know, why make a problem about things that aren't, you know, they were never asking me to do something bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. So I determined that I wasn't going to make a problem about all that because I wasn't going to endlessly kind of uh, make a problem about monastic life. Rather, if, if this is the way they do it. This is the this is the way things are done here. I'll do it that way. And then I could see my own kind of uh, resistance and opinionatedness around it. And feelings that and, well, this is unnecessary or that's stupid or we could do it a better way than this and, and endlessly get wound up into... Into the convention itself, where then you you're always manipulating the convention and never never uh, get beyond the convention now remember that becoming a philar is not just to become a good nun and and uh, and uh, get caught up into do all the uh, you know and to perfect the life of the of the female samana, and make everything perfect. But, uh, what is present, use that for awareness. And you know, don't, don't don't make a fuss about the, the convention. <coughs> yeah. And it's fair enough, <coughs> I and mean, we can, you know, adapt and uh, according to situations or whatnot, not. But in the long run, what's really important is, is not to, to just try to perfect the convention, but to use it for awareness. That's what it's for. Like to, to go to London, you, you know, you don't need to have the best, you know, have, the, have a world's voice. You take what you get. <sighs> If you want to get to London, you don't wait for the best. You take what's around. The like the Buddha referred to it as a raft. Uh, his convention is a raft to get across the the sea. And a raft isn't. It's not like a nuclear submarine or a you know a, a, a luxury liner. It's uh, stuff you find on a on a on a shore, isn't it? on a beach. Mm-hmm driftwood and vines and things like that. You make a raft out of the flotsam and jetsam that that gets washed up on the shore. And so it's not going to be, you know, needn't be a a kind of the best high-tech raft. The point is to take what's around so you can get across so I've, I've contemplated that you know rather than than uh, uh i have seen so many people always you know thinking that this this raft isn't you know isn't a very good raft and so they they go around looking for better ones uh, where uh, i felt well this this raft is is the one i have this is where i this is the one i'm using and uh So It doesn't mean that I, you know, that that I think it's the best raft, but it's the one I'm on. And it's the one that's taken me across. So I offer this as a reflection.